Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. I'm David Mizajewski, also known as Thornbreak on the ElfQuest forums. Joining me is my friend and fellow ElfQuest uber geek, Ryan Brown. Ryan's our editor and producer, working the magic to put this podcast together. All right, we're going to talk about ElfQuest, the final quest, issue number two. How's it going, Ryan? Great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm excited to get going with this. Yeah, me too. I've been waiting a long time to do this, so I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, why don't we just dive right in? Um, Absolutely. I want to start by saying, though, that um, since this is our first episode and we're starting on issue number two, that we do plan to go back and do one episode for each issue of the Final Quest, um, including the Final Quest special and issue number one. Um, and so in each of these episodes, we're going to talk about the story and the art of, of each of them. And then in the future, we might even have special guests join us and we might even take questions submitted by fans, maybe um, via Facebook or the official ElfQuest forums. But for this time, it's just going to be Ryan and me. So, you know, starting with issue number two, let's dive in. I mean, I know you have sure. a lot of thoughts about some of the two, uh, about two of the big events that happened. And the first one that I want to dive yeah. into is Crim's death. So why don't you oh give us your thoughts on that? Well, it was uh, – I have to say, first of all, that I didn't find it shocking. Um, I felt like I was uh, prepared for this given that the recognition spe- special, which came out, I guess it was almost 15 years ago now, Yep. Um, kind of foreshadowed her death. So it didn't come as any sort of shock, uh, but it was still obviously a really dramatic um, event in the ElfQuest storyline. Um, and uh, I, I was sad to see her go. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's definitely it always sucks when, you know, a character, even if they're not necessarily a favorite character or a a major character bites it. Right. So but (laughs) but I also totally agree that it, um, you know, her death wasn't um, it wasn't shocking in the way that, say, One Eyes was or Via um, just because, as you say, it it was foreshadowed. I don't think it, it really was meant to be that way, though. I mean, it's no secret that Gobacks basically have a, a ultimately a death wish. You know, they want to die right. in glorious battle after they've contributed to their tribe, and that's a huge honor for them. And so, mm-hmm. the fact that that this happened to Krim really wasn't a surprise. And and um, I know some other other fans out there were kind of griping about that a little bit, um, that they felt, well, you know, we kind of saw this coming. But I don't think the point was to do something, you know, to, to shock us with her death. It was more that it was sort of a good conclusion to her character storyline, something that was totally in character for her. And for me, the bigger thing about it from that storytelling point of view is that it allowed us to be introduced to some, like a new idea that I think is going to be really important for the final quest at large. And that is this idea that when elves die, you know, their spirits Mm -hmm. don't necessarily just go back to the palace. And it's an area where we really haven't explored a lot in the story. And so I I don't know. I think that 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 her death allowed Wendy and Richard to kind of introduce that idea, which to me makes it a really valuable sort of plot, you know, development, if you will. Huge plot development. Yeah. 
yeah, we're not really sure at this point what exactly she meant when she said to Pike, I'm just looking at the panel right now, she sends to him, she says, going back, it isn't just to the palace. And Pike responds, what? And then she says, run, rock skull, run. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which is a perfect way to end that uh, little conversation. But uh, what she means exactly by going back, it isn't just to the palace. Uh, we're not quite sure at this point. But um, I don't know. What do you think? What What could that mean? I, I have no idea. <laughs> and that's the beauty, right. you know, I mean, right. a, a, again, I mean, history. we kind of saw Krim's death coming, but mm-hmm. I don't think anybody could have predicted that there would be that this this would be what we learned out of it. And so I think we just got to keep reading and, and find out. But um, I, I'm definitely curious. I mean, I think that we fans have basically made an assumption on from, you know, basically what, what, what Timane had said in the original quest about mm-hmm. elf spirits being sort of bound to the world, the time and the place in which the palace exists. Right. And we yeah. have all kind of assumed that that meant that um, for the non-Wolf Rider elves, that their, that their spirits are almost like physically present in the palace. But right. if you think about it, spirits can be in many places at once and they're not sort of tied down by the rules of the physical world. So what if they can be in multiple places and planes of existence and dimensions or universes, you know, uh, who sure. knows, you know, and I think maybe that's where we're going to get some really sort of deep, you know, metaphysical and like advanced physics ideas being introduced mm-hmm. that, um, that kind Through of the wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows yeah. where they're going to go? I mean, we know that Richard is know. way into astronomy and, and, and higher sciences. And so maybe he has, um, kind of injected a little bit of that into ElfQuest at this point. And, and I mean, again, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Well, you mentioned that the the Wolf Rider spirits, uh, they can go where they choose to after death, right? right? Because they're tied to the land through their wolf blood. Um, but like you said, we've been led to believe up until this point that um, the spirits of the immortals are tied to the time and place in which the palace exists. Um, and we've taken that to mean, I guess, that uh, they're... Um, maybe not trapped, but they're stuck in uh, in a plane of existence within the palace. I, I don't really know how else to describe it better than that. But um, in other words, they can't go where they choose to. Uh, they they can't leave the palace after they die. Right. That's where they're drawn to, and they're they can't go anywhere else. So uh, to hear Krim say this, now it opens up a whole new set of possibilities for what it means for an elf spirit um, after the physical body dies. Right. Well, I mean, Um, with that said, though, that's what I mean. mm -hmm. I think we've made a lot of assumptions, but we've also seen other examples of where that that hasn't necessarily been the case. I mean, when the gliders died, they didn't automatically appear in the palace, they basically were floating around in limbo until Ray kind of absorbed them. Um, Winnowill yeah. obviously is the other great example that, you know, she died and she didn't get sucked into the palace immediately. You know, maybe she would have gone there. Yeah. Well, she wanted to, um, have her spirit go into the palace shards and take it over. Right. Um, but it seemed to suggest that storyline that her spirit could do whatever it wanted the elves the wolf riders were terrified that when she was killed her spirit would um go wherever it chose right. and, and uh you know cause them problems down the line um so there's there is hints um in previous storylines that maybe the the spirits of the elves aren't um necessarily tied directly to the palace 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that Tamain's statement that they're they're bound to the time and world in which the palace exists does not necessarily have to mean that they are inside of the palace, like a container and that they're trapped there and can't go anywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's, I think we're going to see that play out in a much bigger way than we ever have previously before. And that's kind of interesting and exciting. And I think it um, maybe has some implications for sort of that overall concept of the final quest being sort of this, um, this, uh, conflict between the immortal elves and the palace and then the wolf riders and who stays and who goes that has been hinted at but we don't really know how that's really going to play out yet and so again i think that it's also crim's death was a critical plot development in order to let us learn that you know you kind of had to have an elf die and be sort of half in and out of their body to be able to give us that revelation so somebody had to go and so it might as well have been Krim going out in a blaze of glory Sure. sure I mean, as much as I said I was sad that she died, uh, I am sad to see the character. You know, she's she's no longer in her physical body. Um, hopefully, we'll get to see her spirit at some point. But uh, I guess I can't feel too sad for her because she died doing what she loved. And exactly. She ch- she chose to go out this way. You mentioned one eye. One eye died. Um, it was tragic because it was completely unexpected. He was blind sli- blindsided by a troll in the frozen mountains. Literally um, blindsided. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, whereas Krim, um, she chose to go out this way. This was her decision, and uh, she was at peace with her choice. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that um, it, it, for those exact reasons, I don't feel grief over the loss of the character um, because you're right. She went out doing what she wanted. And, you know, that brings up another point, too, is is her her the whole ending with, with Larrigan, who... Mm-hmm. Larigan. Larigan, Larigan, yes. Uh, this is the other beauty of, of ElfQuest being, uh, you know, written down these names. We don't necessarily know exactly how to pronounce them. So um, right. I would say Larigan. I know you say yeah. Larigan. So let's just yeah. say it how we say it. And maybe we'll get a correction out of Wendy and Deal. Richard. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this whole this whole sort of, I mean, she does a little bit of a 180 about, about him. You know, at first Mm -hmm. she's like ready to, to rip out his, his throat when she finds out that he, you know, purportedly killed Kavi. Um, Mm -hmm. And then by the end, they have basically formed this, a little bit of a bond, if you will. And I know, again, some, some folks were saying that seemed out of character for her, but for me, I didn't think so. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was totally in character. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, the last thing she says to him is that, you know, he's an idiot and that he should come back as a stinkworm. I think that's totally in character Perfect. for Grim. Yeah. yeah. But Completely. she doesn't hate him anymore. But think about it. For a go-back, what's the thing that is going to gain the most respect with a go-back? It's fighting side by side against a common enemy. Absolutely. And that's exactly what they did. And so She respects him as a warrior. Exactly. There's a, there's a grudging respect that she has for him now because she recognizes his ability as a warrior and she respects him for that so of course she's a go back yeah and that whole scene i just thought was so brilliantly kind of laid out um perfect you you have this 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 battle scene packed panels lots of action and color and then in those final panels those sequential panels with with crim and larrigan where they're having a conversation it just Mm -hmm. just the the design of the page really slows everything down. The colors go, you know, a lot softer and that's Sonny's doing. And they just have this, this sort of quiet conversation. And I just thought it it, it was just done really perfectly. 
I mean, right. even, and you mentioned her her little uh, snide remark about him coming back as a stinkworm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hilarious. It's and it's so in character for Krim. Absolutely. But they have this moment of of laughter together right. in the midst of all this death and and destruction. Yeah. Right. It's such a, a beautiful moment within that context. Right. And and you know the way that Wendy laid out that page, like I almost felt um, like I could almost hear just based on the way the art was done, sort of this, this sort of quietness that was surrounding that little scene, both because they're hidden underneath the the wagon, but also because they're, they're basically fading and you could just almost hear all of the, the war sounds in the background kind of fading out as they're quietly having this conversation just from the way that the art was done, just from the way that the page was laid out. And that to me is, is one of the genius things about ElfQuest. That's what's I'm kept me around. Absolutely. I, I'm just looking at those panels right now, and I'm just thinking how that is classic ElfQuest oh, totally. right there. Yeah, yeah. It, it harkens back to the original Quest for me yeah. when I'm looking at those panels. Absolutely, yeah. No, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. And, um, yeah, so... So yeah, so Larrigan is is now history, and I, I I have a feeling we won't ever get to see whether or not his belief of reincarnation comes to fruition. I don't think so. I I don't think that Wendy and Richard have any intention of delving into the afterlife of humans. Yeah, in any way within this story. And I'm actually fine with that. <laughs> so am I. I don't want to know. Yeah, no. yeah. I, I'm, I'm it's happy a mystery, and let's leave it at that. Yeah, I'm happy to focus right. on the elves. Um, sure. So, so all right. So we've talked about Crim's death. We've talked about Larrigan. But let's talk about poor Pike. I mean, is oh. he not, at this point, the most tragic figure in ElfQuest? I mean, everybody I so. that he's ever loved has totally bit it. <laughs> Everyone. And it's so it's paradoxical, right? Because he is this happy-go-lucky character. He's the, the court jester of ElfQuest, really. Yeah. And yet he suffered all this um, loss in his lifetime. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, so his father, Rain. Yep. His tribe mates that were decimated by Mad Coil. Yep. Um, and then, of course, his love mates, right? Uh, Vaya, who was not really his love mate per se, but she might have been, they might have been moving in that direction. Yeah, I mean, but lo- obviously, love mate light, I, I like to call it. Yeah. Those elves that have, you know, gotten it on and they have a fondness for each other, but they don't necessarily have a kind of a permanent or a longstanding relationship status but i definitely think via fits in that category because if you look at the infamous orgy scene you can see pike and via together <laughs> right that, i was and, just going to mention that yeah and and if you uh, that that little that was their first date exactly <laughs> first date elf style right yeah um so yeah yeah um so i think there was definitely a bond there and and that For sure. once you knew once you look back at the the panel in the previous issue and you fig and you saw that and then you mm-hmm. thought about how via went out and how pike tried to save her it just added total layers of depth to that whole scene which was pretty Absolutely. amazing but um but yeah that was pretty tragic and then of course there was scott, scott. um mm-hmm. who he lost and then now now crim so um yeah poor guy <laughs> Just so much loss in his life. And then, of course, he's he's so concerned about losing um, Sust, right? Yeah, yeah. In this issue. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you what, that is the scene that really kind of pulled at my heartstrings. It wasn't Krim dying because, as you said, it was foreshadowed. We kind of knew it. She's a go-back. We kind of expect it. But mm-hmm. the scene where Pike is like, listen, for once in your life, listen to me. You might be the only one left in a minute. And when yeah. when Sust hugs him, there's no words. 
There doesn't need to be words. That is, that's the scene that punched me in the gut. It also was a genius little bit of, um, probably primarily because we knew that Krim was probably going to die. It introduced Mm -hmm. this, this possibility that Pike might go too. And that was terrifying to think about. I was worried for a bit. Um, you know, when he was running back into the fray. Yeah. I thought we were going to lose him. Yeah. We might've. Yeah. You know, so that's exactly what I'm talking about. And you know, the other thing that I liked about that scene is, you know, this whole notion of, of letting elves be who they're going to be. And as soon as, as Krim, you know, sent to Pike and Sust and said, you know, it's my time lads. This is how I want it to go, which I thought Mm -hmm. was awesome. And Pike's immediate response was, okay, you know, as you will. And he's letting her be who she is. But even so, he loves her so much that after he gets back into the woods and saves Sust from the arrow wound, he he thinks back on it. He's like, I just I can't. I've got to I've got to go help her. Yes. Um, and I thought he's, that was super sweet. And um, yeah, but I agree with you. I like that moment there where he says, as you will, friend of my body and spirit. I'm just looking at it right now. He's sending to her. And it's so um, indicative of of what the elves uh, relationships are like with one another, where they are in complete um, acceptance of the other's choice. Yep. Um, and yet you you accurately point out, right, that Pike can't help himself uh but to run back into the battle and try and save his life mate, I guess, uh, you know, he can't, he, he still feels this such a strong bond to Krim that he he can't just let her go that easily. Um, but at the same time, he's, he understands that this is her choice and he allows her that. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, again, it's just, that's a reflection of what I think is some of the, the, the beauty of ElfQuest is, is this example of that we can take into like the real world of just letting people be who they're going to be and accepting that and supporting them and, and all of that great stuff that we unfortunately don't tend to see a lot of in the real world. So yeah, yeah. yeah. it's hard sometimes. I mean, for us humans, right. right to do yeah. that, like, like yeah. we, we get attached to people. So right, right. <laughs> not that the elves don't, but they, they just, they're existing on a different level than we are. Yeah. They're, especially I think too, the fact that they know that they are connected to their loved ones, even after death. Right. There's no um, uncertainty. Right. And you know what? That's another point, too, that I think is important in terms of how we react to deaths of characters. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we are going to react differently to a character dying now than we did back during the days of the original quest, because we know a lot more about the fact that, you know, that these characters are set up to be immortal and that they're still they still exist and that now that they have the palace restored, they have this ability to kind of communicate on some level, at least some elves with the dead. And so deaths aren't as, um, as sort of permanent feeling as they were in the very beginning before that, that was really a possibility. And so, That's a good point. you know, I, you know, if, if readers are reading that and not feeling the, the same kind of, again, punch in the gut that they did when they were reading the original quest. It doesn't necessarily mean that the story is any lesser. It just means that at this stage of the story, 36 years in, death mm-hmm. means something different. And you know what? The the characters themselves ha- reflect that. I mean, think about when when um, Janti died and Cutter was holding him and, you know, it, it was sad and they wanted him to stay, but, you know, he, he, he didn't. He died and, you know, Cutter was able to sort of move on and say, 
you know, okay, like he's he still exists. He's just not going to be here with us anymore. Right. Um, right. So that, it's that, definitely there. There still is that feeling though when the physical um, person, the physical organism, dies. There's a. Um, it's still traumatic. Oh, right? of course, um, yeah. But I know what you're saying that we're we're aware now in the story that their spirits are immortal regardless of whether or not their physical body has died. So right. that affects uh, the nature of um, mourning to some degree. Right, right. Yeah. Well, so the other thing in relation to Krim dying that I think we've, we've got to talk about is mm-hmm. what she did to the John. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was uh, – yeah. yeah. It couldn't she have happened to a nicer there. guy is kind of the way that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what a perfect uh, go-back um, act of vengeance. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, if she weren't already cut up and if Pike didn't swoop in and pull her out, you know, she might have even been able to get another jab in there and, you know, maybe even finish him off. But um, sure. but given the situation, she was able to at least um, basically lop his balls off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or his berries, as right. Skywise would say. Right? Yeah. And, um, um, you know, which was just kind of a little, you know, bit of deliciousness because, of course, how could you – not want to see something awful like that happen to anger of Jun, um because he's such a dickhead basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> pun intended yeah um yeah no i think he's well deserving of that sort of um attack right uh but she's right i don't think there's going to be any more juns after this so right well that that's the another thing too to talk about is um, the Jun's sons. Um, so Lodok. Uh, yeah. So Lodok obviously, obviously bit it. And I do want to get into Mender in a minute, but um, yeah, but while we're talking about the Jun's sons, the mm-hmm. other one, Rathal. Yes. yes. I mean, there's definitely something up with him. I mean, it, based on Angriff's comment about him, you know, only wanting, you know, the best and wanting his father to, to heal or whatever. And then the way that Wendy drew his expression, um, I mean, there's definitely something up there. I don't know. He doesn't he, look like, like he's interested in following his father's orders. Yeah, or following his in his brother's footsteps and getting fried right. by the elves. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's a little bit of a foreshadowing for, for what might go down. Definitely. Now, now my prediction is that he's going to end up helping the elves in some way. Yeah, I either think he's going to help the elves in some way, or I think he is going to, um, you know, desert take off. off. Yeah, or like backstab <laughs> yeah. the Jun in some way. Um, and you know, here's another neat thing about ElfQuest. One of the things that I really like is, is, um, Wendy's character design. Compare mm-hmm. Rathal to Lodok and just yeah, look yeah. at the difference. Um, you know, you can pick up sort of visual cues about the nature of a character or, or maybe even what their actions are going to be just based on the way that Wendy designs them. I mean, if you look at Lodok, Absolutely. he's kind of burly and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, sort of bully like, and Rathal is definitely yeah. he's a, he's a little bit scrawnier. Mm-hmm. He, it, it looks like you know he doesn't have any you know he, yeah he doesn't have any muscles or um, he looks like he can't grow a beard right so yeah he's he's kind of this sort of wimpy ish character and so whether that's going to play out um, like you said that maybe he'll be sort of he'll rise above all that and help the elves or whether it's it's going to turn out that he's sort of a you know a coward if you will and um, sure. It'll be really interesting to see that, but I think that there's definitely something up there that um, that we should be on the lookout for. Yeah, he kind of looks like the runt of the Jun's litter, right? <laughs> right. 
Yeah, um, yeah. But, but yeah, we'll, we'll see, see what happens with him. Uh, it is funny too. I I noticed this with the um, the naming of characters. Uh, you have people like Angriff, for instance. Uh, his name kind of co- conveys the idea of um, angry or right, right. anger. Uh, and then Rathel or Rathole. I don't, I don't know, know how. I don't know how to pronounce it. Either, yeah, Athol. Right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's but, definitely uh, something like snivelly looking about him. Weasley. Yeah. That yeah. something rat like, if you will. Um right. but you know what's interesting about that is that um I'm pretty sure that um Joellen Auklandis, who who wrote the the Hidden Years and or uh, Wild Hunt storylines and mm-hmm. who actually created the characters of um Angriff John and Gifa and and even Tyr. And Tyr, yeah. I know that she has um I think she pulled in some German influences with those names. Right. And so I'm not sure what Angriff might mean in German or, you know, derivation of a German word that, you know, something like that. But it'd be interesting to, to find that out and see if there's some kind of trouble. Well, I seem to recall that Tier is uh, German for animal. Yeah, I think I think that's it's something like that. Um, yeah. 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 So that's Which exactly is fitting what I'm for talking tier, about. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of neat. But yeah, um, I think that the, 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 the rat part of Rathol or Rathole or however you say it, uh, his name is also, you know, Seems again, just sort of a, a suggestion of what his actual character might be like. Absolutely. So, um, so it's kind of neat to look for those clues in the story, both, you know, the visual clues and then just sort of the naming clues that you can pick up on some of the, you know, the, the other elements. It just adds, you know, all those different layers of depth to a story. Speaking of names, we got a new... Uh... Soul name to add to the list. Yeah, we did. Well, that's the issue. other. That's the other big thing that happened in this issue was the the final, um, you know, final confirmation that Ember and Tear are are going to recognize, which just like Krim's death was heavily foreshadowed. So I don't heavily. really think it. You know, anyone should have felt disappointed that you know it, it happened in in the sense of it being not being a surprise. Um, but we right. finally got to see it come to fruition. Like you said, we, we've got another soul name to add to the list because, you know, us crazy fans like to get, you know, list all those <laughs> things out, right? So, yeah. um, so so Zeal is her name, Zeal. is I guess mm-hmm. how you pronounce it. And um, I would think so. You know, again, I think soul names are also sometimes suggestive of the nature of the character. I think I think probably Strongbow and, and Moonshade are probably the best example of that. Um, you know, Iron, Will... Um, yes. If you put their soul names together, I mean that's pretty. How fitting. That's pretty blatant. But I think you can say that Ember is full of zeal. I mean, she never does anything half-heartedly. Um, she's got a lot of gusto and passion when she, whenever she does anything, and so right. Um, so yeah, I thought so that it's was fitting. Neat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a suggestion. Obviously, it's not meant to be taken literally. That it it is referring to the word zeal, or right. it's meant to be the word zeal. But uh, the implication is there on some level. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting. It's fun. Well, and, and so the the thing that I thought was kind of cool about how it all played out in the story is, you know, if you think about what recognition is and the way that it's been described as sort of this this biological imperative to 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 reproduce so that the species mm-hmm. doesn't go extinct. And that on so, there's you know there's some it's almost like an entity in and of itself that has like a knowledge you know like recognition right. knows it's this sort of like it's omniscient in some way yeah it's this sort of thing that is um, you know this subconscious thing that runs through all of the elves' brains and mm-hmm. can kind of take control of things and so the thing that's neat about it is that 
it's clear that recognition has been sort of lurking around Ember and Tear probably since the get-go. And and just kind of waiting for the right moment to to kind of make itself known. And well, they were drawn to each other from the minute they met. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There was an immediate spark. Right. Yeah. And um and and that's something that I think is actually really interesting that I want to talk about in a second. But um sure. But the timing of Ember and Tear happens mm-hmm. right when right after Krim dies, and it's again like you know recognition knows like it it senses that okay. They're they're dying. Somebody just you know went into the spirit realm. Let's we gotta we gotta replace that one. Quick and it yeah. kicked in, and it's just it was you know it it was awesome to see it kind of play out like that. Um, obviously not for Ember and Tear. It was kind of like the worst possible moment ever. Really bad timing. Yeah, really bad timing, but <laughs> definitely great from again a storytelling point of view because it adds a lot of conflict and a lot of drama. Absolutely. Um, but but yeah, so so you mentioned this you know Ember and Tear kind of being attracted to each other on on a deeper level from the very beginning and that's another sure thing that i think the the we fans uh, maybe misinterpret or take for granted this idea that recognition you know happens out of the blue um right like it's a lightning strike whenever it happens with cutter and lita and that's what happened with with um Dushine and tildak but mm-hmm. there's just as many if not more examples in the story where it's very clear that that long-time lovemates eventually recognized each other. Um, right. It seems to be like a gradual um, recognition or a gradual moving towards recognition. Right. And it might be that, you know, they are sort of the perfect genetic match, if you will, to make the strongest offspring, which is the, the goal of, of recognition. And that, mm-hmm. that part of their initial attraction to each other is happening on that subconscious brain level. Um, and, and it might take, you know, decades before they actually end up having the event of recognition happen and and getting to the point of reproducing. And so, you know, like if you look at Bearclaw and Joyleaf, if you go back to the Wolf Rider story, um, mm-hmm. or even the um, the Hidden Years number five, the, the issue that looked at Skywise's birth and right. some of the exchanges. I mean, I think it's in that issue of Hidden Years that, yes. that Joyleaf says to Bearclaw, you know, when you and I recognize, it's going to be your last time. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we've known, we know that they were longtime um, love mates before that, and so there's an example right there. If you look at those those stories of Bear Claw's era as well, you'll see in the background um, characters like Woodlock and Rainsong mm-hmm. were clearly a couple for you know many years before they actually recognized and and had New Star, which she wasn't born until after the Mad Coil incident, after Bear right. Claw was dead. So yes. they were together. Um, Real Fisher, to each other. yeah, mm-hmm. Real Fisher and Tree Stump also make lots of appearances as being a couple in those stories as well. And um, again, they didn't recognize until, um, until after Cutter was born and, and well, as far as we know, right? Well, that's true. As far as we know, exactly. Yeah. Possible Dushine might have siblings that died before she was born that we just don't know about. Yes, that, that is true. That is true. In that example, Um, it's possible with Woodlock and Rainsong, but I highly doubt it. Otherwise I think that would have been talked about. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, they had three. That was uh, they were they were setting the standard there for a while, right? Up until um, Strongbow and Moonshade recognized again, right? Sure. Well, but, but uh, well, I th- they, they still hold the record because they did have they? three 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 kids, but um, they had them all within the space of like ten years, and oh, that right. I think was the yeah. most remarkable thing about. It. Okay, so, so that's, that's the gold standard. standard then. Then. Yeah, I mean, if they you look at it. if you look at Strongbow and Moonshade. I mean, their kids were born over the course of, you know, hundreds of years. So, right. Um, 
It's funny you mentioned um, Bear Claw, that scene in Hidden Years, and I just wanted to bring that up because the implication is that he had offspring prior to having Cutter, um, which means that there were other potential blood of chiefs at one point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In their history. Yep. And whether um, or not, so what happened to them? Yeah. Whether or not we'll ever get that story remains to be seen, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I kind of like the fact that, that there's a lot of those sort of loose ends that are out there that we may never get an official kind of tale about. Um, right. Because I think it, it, it allows fans to kind of have an area where we can run around with our own imagination and, and invent things and be creative. And um, I think if you try to tie up every loose end, too neatly it can almost kind of kill the spirit and i think wendy and richard are really great about that about just saying you know we're going to focus on telling the main tale of elf quest following cutter's hero's journey and you know there are how many characters 600 plus that have been named something like that you know we we can't get into all of their gory details nor should we and i know well if genius Absolutely. If they tried to pick up all of these threads now at this point in the story, they'd be writing stories for the next like hundred years. Right. Trying to, you know, explain what happened to Bearclaw's other children or, you know, all sorts of different avenues you could go down and explore. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the other thing about Tear and Ember's recognition that is kind of a big deal is mm-hmm. is the you know, sort of the the, the negative effects of unfulfilled recognition, right? So the recognition sickness yeah. that they're both kind of clearly suffering from and 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 what's going to happen. I mean, we've never really seen this. I mean, Dushan well, and Tildak... Have to some deg- yeah, I was just going to say, have we not with Dushan and Tildak to some degree? To, to some degree, but I think it's different because they were at least present. They were just holding back. I mean, same thing with Cutter and Lita, right? But right. they were still in each other's presence. They weren't physically separated. Oh, okay. You know, with the risk so- of death... Yeah, uh, so do you think end. that that will have uh, more of an impact then on their health and well-being? Um, the fact that they're actually physically separated by a large distance? Yeah, I mean, I think if nothing else on the psychological level, it will. I mean, and 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 let's be honest. I mean, Tyr is not the most sort of you know emotionally mature, stable character out there, and no. so um, how <laughs> this is going to manifest? Issues. Say again. He seems to have some issues. Yes, he, he needs to work through. Yes. Well, I think, um, you know, Tyr is one of those characters, like some some people really love him and some people really just find him super annoying. He's been called a Mary Sue, sort of this sort of idealized, perfect character. And I can totally see how, um, you know, definitely in the past stories, how that criticism can be applied to him. Well, we're seeing a lot of um, of that kind of talk on the forums right now uh, right. on either Facebook or the ElfQuest dot com forums um about tier and his character at this point in the storyline right. and uh yeah there's there seems to be some very um strong opinions about him yeah well i think that um my 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 sense is that we're gonna see tier really evolve as a character over the course so of this tale and yeah. you know sort of those needy whiny parts of him that that kind mm-hmm. of get under people's skin um, you know, he's going to have to move past them. He's going to have to grow through them and come out in his own hero's journey, right? Um, on the other side. And of course, this is all tied up with Kavi, who seemingly, you know, has something to do with his origin. Is he, is she his mother? I really hope she isn't. I'm just putting that out there, but <laughs> we'll see. But definitely that has a part to play. I mean, he had that flashback and we're going to talk about this in one of the, um, episodes dealing with, uh, was it the special or was it issue number one where he had the flashback? 
Um, it was issue number one. Yeah. 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 So we'll we'll go into a bit more detail um, when we get to that issue. But yeah, there definitely seems to be some connection with Kavi. Right. Yeah. And here. Exactly. So um, so yeah, that we'll we'll just put a you know put a a sticky note on that, and we'll get back to it. But you mentioned his hero's journey and that he seems like he might be about to embark on one. Um, And it seems like maybe the trigger to that event is not only this recognition with Ember, but Ember's decision to hand over leadership of her wolf riders to Tyr. Right, yeah. So so this is another kind of big thing that I wanted to chew on for a minute because it's like, what the hell was she thinking? Why did she Uh, just give herself up? That didn't make a lot of sense to me when I first read it. Um, But interestingly... Mm -hmm from participating in the ElfQuest forum and on Facebook, on the Facebook groups and hearing other people's perspectives on it, I actually get, got a little bit of, uh, well, a little bit of perspective on it. Um, you know, for me, when I first read it, I was like, why, like what? Like she could, she could run, she could dive into the trees. I mean, she's, the elves are so much quicker than humans, but I reread the scene a few times. And like I said, I read what other people were writing about it. And I thought, yeah, it actually does make some sense. Number one, first and foremost, she just got hit in the head with the brick basically from recognition. So she's in, in a total fog and a total daze. Um, physically, she probably, uh, her reflexes aren't there. And so I thought you were going to say she had actually been hit literally with a brick in the head. I was thinking I missed that panel. No, no, no. <laughs> Figuratively. Um, okay. and so, so that that's going on. Her tribe is, you know, just, you know, a few hundred feet away trying to get their stuff together to, you know, hide, to run for their lives. Mm-hmm. And so, if she did that, the 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 warriors, the human guards, would just you know flow into the woods and come after the rest of the tribe. So I think she kind of, in her recognition days, just kind of made a snap decision to both protect her tribe by giving herself up, but also she doesn't really seem too afraid. I think she basically is. I mean, this is Ember. She's. Yeah. No nonsense. She's just cutting right to the chase. I think she wants to go see the Jun and just confront him directly and be like, dude, what the hell? Why are you, why is it your life's mission to wipe us out? You know, like, yeah. I think she just wants to um, just get up in his face and tell him that. And she does. It seems to me like she's sick of this. She's just gotten to a point where she's thinking, okay, I've had enough. This is not going to end. Uh, it's not going to end. So I have to end it somehow. I like she just seems fed up. But I I had a lot of trouble with um Ember's decisions in this issue in mm-hmm. particular. Uh she just seems to be making a lot of strange choices from my perspective. What else um, other than her giving herself up do you think is a strange choice? Uh well handing over leadership to Tyr I think doesn't really make too much sense to me. Um given that Scouter was chief for a brief period of time. Mm-hmm. So he's had the experience and he's also an elder. Um, and he's also a wolf rider. Right. Uh, Tears, Tears, not an actual wolf rider as far as we know. Right. That's right? true. As far as we know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, well, I if think he is connected to Kavi. He might be, but right. I think that that though is addressed. I mean, and scouter is the one who says it, you know, she Ember was wise to give you something to do. Um, I don't think that any of the, the, Ember's pack of wolf riders really is looking to be the leader. Um, the least of all scouter after the debacle the last time, uh, which he even admitted, like he didn't want that. He was just in his sort of emotional rage um, that he's prone to doing to, to falling into when his family is is threatened. So right. the idea that you know let's keep Tier focused, give him a job, give him a task, I think does mm-hmm. make a, a level of sense. And the fact that 
the two of them are even more mentally connected now. Um, you know, Ember basically can kind of be ruling or, or, or guiding at least through Tyr because they are going to be connected. Even if they're out of sending range, they're going to be true. able to kind of feel each other a little bit on some level. So, and mm-hmm. and I think they, you know, Wendy and Richard addressed, you know, Tyr's maybe lack of leadership skills and lack of being a wolf rider by having Scouter step up and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to be your advisor and, and share my experience and my wisdom and my, you know, my wolf rider um, knowledge. Expertise. Yeah. yeah. To help you well, out. I do really like that scene. I have to say, I appreciated that scene that was put in there between Tyr and Scouter. Um, and it's moments like those. I find that really uh, make ElfQuest what it is. Those yeah. quiet moments between characters where there's real character development happening. And it's within an issue that's mainly focused on this, insane crazy battle where people are getting their balls chopped off (laughs) right totally yeah yeah i i completely agree with that that's that's what it's those little things that really make ElfQuest stand out um and yeah and hopefully all of the people who really hated scouter after the um you know after he took over shadow stalker yeah the shadow stalker storyline after he challenged ember and booted her from the tribe hopefully Maybe he earned a few more points in the people's books who have hated him ever since. But I really like that storyline. I do I too. To say. And yeah. I, th- I, I liked seeing a chief challenged and lose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, if you read the Blood of Ten Chiefs novelizations, you know, you, you, you get a lot more of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the comics, you never really see it. And I thought it was a great, a great storyline for that. It really dove into sort of the deep dark side of what can happen in the Wolf Rider tribe if it's destabilized. Right. Um, and I also think that 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 it was completely 100% in character for Scouter. Ever for as Definitely. long as we've known him, you know, we he, his character was introduced as a teenager and mm-hmm. you know right from the original quest when One-Eye was killed, think about how he went after Picknose and he was ready to just attack any right. troll out of just blind emotional rage during the, you know, the original quest, you know, War for the Palace. And then, you know, jumping to the Siege of Blue Mountain storyline when he attacked Skywise for bringing Rory into the halt and then she stole Winkin, you know. Um, and, and, and you know, you see other examples of it through the storyline. And so fast forward when he's an elder, he's 500 plus years old. Um, and He's got his face fur now. Yeah, he's got his face fur and, and he's not going to take no when Ember repeatedly does things that doesn't that don't make sense to his brain. And when his own kid is in is in danger, he basically just sees red when his immediate family is being threatened and he attacks. And I think that, you know, a 500 year old scouter is going to do that. He's going to challenge Ember. Um, well, he, he scouter definitely has a rage inside of him that comes out at certain times. And it's usually when his family is threatened in some way. Right. Um, but yeah, he he has that that wolf inside of him. Yeah, and absolutely. we see it come out, and it, it's so interesting. Uh, you mentioned in the original quest too, when he was a teenager, because he's presented as this really handsome young elf who looks really innocent. He was kind of like the Justin Bieber of uh, <laughs> the Wolf Riders, and yet there was this this intense rage that would come out um, given the right circumstances. Right. So, and it's really. Uh, I would say typical though of the wolf riders themselves, right? Because they have the wolf blood in them. They have the potential to be these deadly predators Mm -hmm. if, if um, the situation calls for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so that is a great little segue into the next character I want to talk about. Yes. 
Yes. Mender. <laughs> I Whoa. Mean, how badass was Mender in this issue? So badass. Awesome. Yeah, so Mender I'm, I'm, is so fast. He's really growing on me. Yeah. Um because, you know, he his character has this whole sort of duality, right? So he's a he's a healer, he's also a wolf rider, um, and he's not just any wolf rider. He's kind of he's sort of the wild side of wolf riders, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. he's not kind of a soft Almost a throwback. Yeah, if you will, right? Way. So I think, you know, Rain seemed to be pretty chill and mellow. Um, you know, his mom and dad were on the for the most part very content to live the peaceful, quiet life, but not Mender. You know, he's all about being in the thick of it and the adventure and all of that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he might not be as powerful a healer as Lita is, but obviously he's he's no slouch, right? And that's probably due to Lita's teachings and the influence of the palace and, and you know, it's really increased the powers of really all the elves. So, so when we see Mender, I mean, Mender doesn't even carry a weapon. If you notice, if you look, uh, you know what? I didn't notice that. Yeah, he doesn't have a knife or you know a sword or a bow or a spear. He doesn't need one. And so, how he- he's like a ninja? He just uses his hands. Yeah, but but the, so the thing is though, he might not be as powerful as Lita, but he's he's no you know he's nothing to shake a stick at. But the thing is, is that he clearly has far looser scruples than she does when oh, it comes definitely. to using his power. Um, and he, you know, he doesn't have any qualms about, well, I mean, the, the first time we see him kill a human, you know, what does he say? It's like, oh, you have a small heart. Let's make it smaller. He shrinks his heart to kill this soldier. That's how he kills him. Yeah. He shrinks his heart. Like that's twisted. That's totally twisted. And how painful, right? And he takes joy in what he's doing. Yeah. Which is also slightly disturbing. Right. And he's totally in the moment and he's just living life and, and, and doing it. Um, but I loved, loved, loved the the way that Wendy drew the final that that final f- showdown with between Mender and Lodok and his guards. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that men, that Wendy drew the 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 his facial features and his body position, and just as much I love the way that that eerie glowing coloration that that sunny did on those pages. i love sunny's coloring yeah those and and, and so like you know I, I i looked at that and i was like oh my god mender really is the demon he is that the that the humans think the elves are yeah i'm looking at that image of him standing over a dead soldier i guess it's uh it's lodok i'm not sure which is it it's lodok yeah. yeah and he's just standing there his hands are glowing and his eyes are glowing and he's smiling he's got this this wolfish grin he looks like a demon exactly like he looks like a demon out of hell and so right. it's just I, I love I love that aspect of ElfQuest where um, you know the heroes can 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 flip in an instant and be almost portrayed as villains. Yeah, I mean, oh, not absolutely. But um, I mean, this is why the humans have these legends, right? Exactly. I, they have good reason to be afraid of elves in yeah. in a lot of cases. Exactly. Yeah. And so so I I thought that was just total genius that whole little turn of events, and I think probably. Um, you know, one of the best parts of the whole issue is, you know, Ember saying, all right, you know, Mender, come on, like, take tear, get him out of here. And Mender's like, oh, okay, one minute, just finishing up as he's yeah. like, flying at the just face gotta of the melt human this guy. to like, melt this guy's face. Completely nonchalantly. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And he's laughing and smiling while he's doing it. Totally. Yeah. He, he loves it. Is he becoming Winnowill's protege? That's what I'm concerned about. See, I, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I, I feel like we should have an intervention for Mender. <laughs> I think Mender, um, if you follow his story arcs in, in you know, in shards, in the shard storyline where he talks about you know having these like powerfully competing urges to both heal 
and and kill the predatory mm-hmm. instinct to kill the weak and the wounded. Um, or if you read through Mender's Tale, the storyline that never really got finished. Um, I did read that. Yeah. And and his basic abuse of his power. That was a controversial story. Yeah, it, yeah, very much so, you know, and it was it was kind of like a, you know, almost like a morality tale of like what happens when you have power and you don't and you don't use it with a sense of kind of morality or whatever. And I think that's what we're seeing again, maybe being teed up here with 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 Mender that you know he can do these things and, you know, he doesn't have the scruples or or sort of a, a hardcore morality the way that Lita does to hold him back. Well, he falls somewhere on the scale, I think, between Lita and Winnowill. Yeah, I mean, I think the difference is is that Winnowill chose that path and to use her powers in that way out of stagnation and... Insanity. Yeah, insanity and madness from being not needed, whereas <laughs> Mender is doesn't suffer from any of that at all. So there's not like a... Again, a malignancy to, a to why, yeah, like to why he's doing it. He's doing it to save his people, and sure. he's fine with it. He's like, I have a power at my disposal that can protect my people. I'm going to use it, and I'm I not going to feel guilty about it. I think that there's a danger, though, in enjoying it so much, and I think that 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 it the story might be um, setting him up uh, for that aspect to be explored. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Well, well, and and that might not necessarily be a bad thing in terms of of you know the Wolf Rider's point of view. I mean, think about what Ember says to to Angriff, You know, when he's like, "Well, I'm going to lure the healer here with you," and 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 she's like, "Dude, he killed your son just by touching him." And she's mm-hmm. and 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 Angriff says, "Well, he's not going to do that if I have a sword held over your head." And she's like, you don't even know You him. don't know Mender. <laughs> you don't know what he's capable of. Yeah, like this guy's a badass. Totally, yeah. And, and it's totally true. Um, oh, yeah. But then we see the other side of Mender. When Corbasi comes back with the, um, the, 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 the children from the village that he rescued and that poor right. child that, is, that we saw Completely in burnt. the previous episode get burned to a crisp. And yeah. you know, she's clearly like on death's door, you know, third, fourth well, degree burns. Just, yeah, she's just burned like she looks like she's coal almost. yeah 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 and without skipping a beat he steps right up and he heals her i love that it was um talit that asked him to do it totally yeah or asked him if he could heal her yeah because that's so in keeping with character with talit right Absolutely. and her, her um yeah love of humans yeah, and another another little bit of genius, the genius of characterization and storytelling that wendy and richard put into into elf quest i mean you don't have to know that that Tilly has this sort of uh, attraction to humans or empathy for humans mm-hmm. by reading all the backstory. It doesn't really have any impact on your enjoyment of reading this issue if you were a new person never right. having read any ElfQuest. Right. But the story is all the more rich for the fact that if you have read you know the previous stories for us longtime you, fans. Yeah, like it's yeah. just a character doing something that is totally within keeping with their character. And I, you know, again, just little nuggets of, of that kind of thing is what makes ElfQuest really awesome in my book. Right. In a way, it's almost like Wendy and Richard kind of winking at, at the longtime readers and yeah. letting us know like, yeah, you guys know what Talit's like. She, yeah. she, she loves humans. She, she's so interested in, in their ways. And here she is again, you know, um, interested in this, this poor human child and asking Mander to help her. So yeah, totally. yeah, it's just a little nod to the audience, I feel. And, you know, that, that actually makes me think of another thing that I wanted to say about um, Krim's death and the the recognition between Ember and Tyr. 
not mm-hmm. being sort of big revelations for some readers and, and some people being disappointed in that. Um, you have to keep in mind that probably, at, at least as far as the recognition goes, um, probably not a huge amount of people read the, the recognition special when it came out. Mm, probably not. You know, I mean, us diehard fans probably did, but there's probably mm-hmm. a lot of new people or people that didn't keep up with a lot of the many, many different threads of storylines that happened in the in the 90s and the early 2000s that right. maybe are coming back to ElfQuest at this stage of the game. So, you know, some people, again, were griping that, oh, well, you know, the, the first two issues, like, were just a rehash of what happened in those other issues. But, mm-hmm. but so, yeah, I mean, it, there are, there's a bigger world out there than just the, the small group of diehard fans. And so right. Wendy and Richard have to be smart and how they tell the story and we sure. were all clamoring for the the resolution of that story right so and we're getting it and we're getting it and it's yeah. it's just the very first you know little peek into the this long quest that's going to happen over the next three or four years so i just heard today i was listening to a podcast that wendy did uh i can't remember the name of it it'll come back to me but um uh she did an interview and she was talking about the length of final quest and she said she can guarantee us three volumes and each volume will be six issues okay each. There um, you go. and p- potentially a fourth volume yes <laughs> so that's a lot of story yeah that's and definitely... i am really really happy to hear that <laughs> yeah i think i think that we are really um we're all ready for to to, to dive into a deep long tale um, uh, that we really like haven't seen quest. since the original quest. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I feel spoiled as an Elf Quest fan right now. Yeah, and absolutely. I love it absolutely. And and I don't think there's any better way to have this final quest storyline. You know, sort of Cutter's the conclusion of Cutter's hero journey, hero's journey, be anything other than a big epic long term tale, just the way that the original quest was. I'm so concerned with what that actually means, though. Yeah. The end of Cutter's journey. Yeah, I, that I have, just makes me feel like I'm gonna start getting really upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I don't want to think about it. Yeah, I think I think that this topic is going to be something we're going to talk about in each and every one of these that we do on an on an issue of the final quest because I, I that's that's the big question: what is going to happen? Um, and I honestly can't say. I have no idea. I mean, well, are we the saw Wolf Riders going to stay on the planet when everybody else right. leaves? Are they all going to leave? I mean, who knows? We don't know, but it's been set up um, even from the, the teaser trailer that was made a few years ago that came out. Um, that uh, the it seems to be the crux of this final tale of the final quest will be who stays and who goes. So right. there's definitely going to be a decision made um, on the parts of many characters as to whether or not they're going to stay on the world of two moons or go elsewhere. And it seems like they're um, hinting that they're going to return to the star home from where they originally came from. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to save that discussion for when we talk about the, um, the final quest special. Because okay. That's where that comment is made by Skywise. And we could talk about that. For an hour, at least. Yes, so, we could. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, um, mm-hmm. we've been going on for a little bit over an hour now. So I want to start to wind down a little bit. But in the interest of not being totally gushing and totally glowing um, in, in, in these podcasts, I do want to maybe talk about things that, that bothered us or irritated us about the issue. And, and Ryan, you, you hit on one that for you was 
you know, you, it was hard for you to wrap your mind around why Ember made the decision to kind of give herself up. And I just, yeah, I have, I have trouble. So for me, this issue, the one thing that I would kind of gripe about would be Ember's decisions throughout the issues. And there's three in particular. There's her decision um, to surrender, which I, I don't really feel like uh, it was a good decision on her part. I don't really see how that's going to help her tribe in any way. I understand where she's coming from. She thinks she's going to surrender. She'll be able to confront the Jun um and and maybe put an end to this but she's also potentially putting her life in danger and uh what happens if she dies i mean that's the end of the chief's line of the wolf riders right well Um, the the one thing that 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 makes me think of though is the is the very last page where we learn that you know ember has basically made sunstream promise that he's not going to come in with a magical rescue every single time she gets a bump right and that okay that and that's that was my second part of it was that she, her other bad decision from my perspective is that she decides she's not going to call on her family and the palace to come and help them when clearly they're in danger of being uh, destroyed as a tribe um this is life and death stakes right now and she's not willing to uh ask for help from the people that love her and care about her i just see that as kind of a bad decision I understand from a, a storytelling perspective, though, that we don't want the palace coming in to save everyone whenever there's conflict, because then it's just a deus ex machina situation, and yes. it gets really boring. Yeah, so I agree. I, I understand from that perspective. Yeah. Well, I think that I don't. I don't know that Ember thinks that it is the life and death situation that that you might think it is. How can she not, though? Well, because How- I think the elves know that they are pretty badass, and that um, I mean, it- and they have Mender. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I mean, she knows that her people are escaping and rather than call the palace, she that's exactly why she chose to do what she did, because she could have called the palace and they could have all been swept away. But they've made this commitment to living by the way. And I think that's a big piece of this story is is, you know, Ember's Wolf Riders have made this decision and they even say it, um, you know, in the narration there that that Ember and her Wolf Riders all agree that they're willing to take these kind of risks for the principle of living by the way and preserving it because, because the palace is changing things. And mm. so I, I can see, I can see from the character's point of view, why there is some logic to the decisions that were made. But I agree as a human being reading the story, I was, I, I, I also was like, what the hell is she doing? You know, don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like there's smarter decisions you can make Ember. And yeah. the last part of that was just her, um, uh, giving leadership of the tribe to Tyr. I, I understand your uh, argument for, mm-hmm. but I still think it's not necessarily the best decision because there's more qualified members of the tribe to lead. Well, I didn't say it was going to turn out well. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I could see why she did it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, who knows what the hell Tyr is going to do? We'll see. Yeah, he really is kind of a loose cannon, especially when he's all emotionally wound up. Seems really unreliable. Yeah. And flighty even. Yeah. So, yeah, that could very well have been a bad decision on her part. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, the, the thing that I thought um, that, that bothered me a little bit was um, the fact that Angriff Jun, again, just after getting his, his junk chopped up, was didn't seem to be all that impacted by it. You know, he's sitting there kind of gloating over Ember while his physician is checking out, you know, the damage or whatever. And I would have liked to see him grovel a little bit more and be in a little bit more pain and a little bit more desperate. 
and mm-hmm. the way that the scene was portrayed, I mean, he's almost lounging, you know, like if he's in his chaise lounge. And so maybe that's just me being, um, you know, uh, you know, a sicko wanting to see him in more in more pain and and strife. But that that's one thing that I wish that Wendy would have done a little bit differently. Like she made him suffer a little bit more. Maybe his injuries weren't as bad as we think they were. We th- we're saying that he got his his balls chopped off, but it's possible maybe he just got the tubes cut or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail about this. Yeah, but maybe it's not as bad as we think. Right. Well, no. I'm looking and at the I, page I don't, now. I don't he necessarily. Is... I don't want to see his chopped off balls. No, in I don't a either. panel either. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am looking at the page now, and he is kind of grunting, and he does have kind of an expression of of discomfort on his face so so maybe that's not a not not really a, a big issue but but, but i can't really blame him though i mean if i was in his position and that had just happened to me i'd probably want the healer elf to come and see me as quickly as possible too yeah yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> um so this actually made me think of one other thing that i wanted to touch on mm-hmm. in this issue is the extras the extras are really oh. really awesome that dark horse is putting in you know we've got the letter pages back we've and we've got the 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 cover for the next issue but in this issue at least they've given us a little bit of a peek into the making of ElfQuest. so we see the script page we see the the layout page that wendy does the roughs and then the inks and then the final coloring and if you read in detail um in the script page Mm-hmm. One little, there's one change that I thought was really kind of genius. And Tell it's us when, about it. It's when Scouter is um, sending to Pool about you know attacking the humans, and in the script he says, "Aim to kill Pool, scare him good." Ah. But in the final version that we see, that's not what he says. Um, let me flip to the page here. Yeah. Um, in the final version that we see, he says, "Aim to kill Pool, meet fire with fire." Oh. And it's just I like so, that better so much more impactful the way that it actually yeah. came out to be. And I think a lot more in character, you know, for Scouter, we've seen oh, him absolutely. be the, in his defensive mode and he's like, slaughter them, kill them. Yes. Um, and so I, I like little things like that are just awesome. And you can see how the story really develops and gets finessed before we finally get to it. So as much as I, I love Sonny's colors, uh, so far in this series, I love that page where it's just the inks Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Right, it's that's classic ElfQuest right there, where it's just Win- Wendy um, inking in black and white. Yeah, I I completely agree, and um, I'm I'm really excited about the new compilation books that Dark Horse is going to be putting out. The oh yeah, that's great. The gallery edition of what we call book one, the first five issues of the original Quest in its original magazine size format. In the That's crisp amazing. black and white from brand new scans of Wendy's original art, it's going to be awesome. And and, and that's then, coming out in uh, August. No, that one's coming out, I believe, in October. Oh, okay. And then the other one that was announced back in the fall is the mm-hmm. complete Elf Quest, which is going to be the entire original Quest, also in black and white, in one big fat volume. I think that one's going to be maybe on a, maybe slightly lesser quality paper. I'm imagining that to be kind of, you know, the inexpensive. You know, big fat, uh, you know, compendium, if you will, of of the original quest that anybody can right. get. Um, and I, I am, I love Wendy's inking, especially um, her really, you know, in depth, uh, detailed inking that she did in the original quest. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I can't wait to see it. And I'm going to get both versions because I think they're going to be different. Um, even though it's the same story and I own it in like five different ways already. <laughs> I think we all do. I think we all own multiple versions. Yeah. But I mean, to me, you know, from, from a, a marketing point of view and from a, I don't know, building the franchise point of view, I think it's, it's mm-hmm. pure genius of Dark Horse to, while they are pu- publishing the final quest to simultaneously put out in an inexpensive format the the original quest because as we were talking about before there's a lot of people that started out reading the original quest and maybe fell by the wayside you can't get the the books in print you know you can find them on ebay and things like that but they're not generally available anymore and so for all of the people out there that maybe are they don't want to step into the tale or reacquaint themselves at this with the final chapter giving them the opportunity to pick up a brand new newly published elf quest book of the back catalog is just so smart it's such a great option yeah for for new readers and and old ones who want to um add to their collection exactly yeah so all right let's end with our uh we talked about the 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 nitpicky things that bothered us so let's end on the high note of what our favorite piece of this entire issue is okay uh do you want me to go first yes all right well for me it was crim's death i i as, as tragic as it was, um, I just thought it was um, beautifully rendered. It was the most dramatic part of the story for me. And uh, I thought that she ended um, the way she wanted to. And so there is a uh, a success in that for her and a, a fitting end to her, her arc. And awesome. I, I really, yeah, I really like that. I thought, and it was beautifully rendered by, by Wendy and Sonny. I totally agree. Um, that's definitely on my list as well. I mentioned it before, but I think my favorite part of the issue is is Mender telling Ember, you know, oh, just finishing up. Let me fry this human <laughs> and then I'll be right there. <laughs> that was, for me, I think my favorite. Um, and I'll also add one other too. I really loved mm-hmm. the way the forest looked. Um, oh. It really just felt really woodsy and there was such detail in um, in, in, in the inking and the leaves and and. And you know what's great about it is that probably wow. Wendy used Photoshop to kind of replicate and fill all that in without having to spend hours and hours and hours and weeks just drawing leaves. But mm-hmm. it really, I thought so far, was the best sort of far scenes that we've seen in in really the recent ElfQuest works. Um, yeah, see, you know, I didn't even... notice any any replication or, or Photoshop tricks in yeah. this issue. It's possible that they're there, but definitely this is um, an indication of Wendy's um, mastery of photoshop and her her uh switch over to digital yeah i agree Um, yeah yeah. so can we just talk briefly before we go about the art yeah uh just in general i just think it's fantastic and um a real melding of the style from the original quest with the new more cartoony uh style that wendy has worked in yeah recently I agree with that. And and it's funny to say the new cartoony style because I feel like the like, like post post kings maybe or or Well, see, I think kings. I think if you look at the very the very first couple issues of ElfQuest, really the 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 original five issues, um mm-hmm. maybe six or seven issues, the art is actually very cartoony. And then as Wendy really, 
you know, evolved as an artist while she was doing the original quest and the story got deeper and darker when you get into the blue mountain phase and then right. the, the, the battle for the trolls, the art gets really, really realistic and very sure. detailed. Very gritty. Um, yeah. Very gritty. Um, and then, you know, King, uh, Siege of Blue Mountain is a little bit hard to tell because it was inked by Joe Statton and not Wendy and his mm-hmm. inking style was much looser, um, than yes. hers was, um, so it's a little bit hard to say, but then when you when you get to Kings, I think Kings of the Broken Wheel, I think the art has gone to a whole other level of sort of ca- cartoon stylization. And I know Wendy has talked a little bit about this, about it being the art there being um, kind of a nod to to her anime influences. And, oh, for sure. Um, you know, I think if you go back and look, you can see a lot more um, again cartooniness to it. So I don't know that mm-hmm. the cartooniness is a new thing necessarily but i completely agree with you that what we're seeing so far in the art for the final quest is a a really great melding of of some of that uh, more realistic style and and really tight inking that we saw in the original quest and some of the more um again fluid i think probably faster to draw cartoony styles that we mm-hmm. have seen in in places like kings or i think of dream time was very very cartoony yes it's still a very dark story which was kind of interesting Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely loving it too. And um, you mentioned that too. I'm uh, about the woods and the detail. I'm just looking at that uh, the panel and the extras of the um, it's the the inking page. Yeah, uh, where you can really see the detail in the leaves and uh, the forest plants, and it's just incredible uh, how detailed it is. Um, the line work. There's that really fine line work. Yes. Uh, that we saw in the original quest that's now we're seeing in the final quest. I just yeah, think it's, yeah, it's, it, there's an equilibrium I feel that's been reached between those styles and it's a real um, happy medium. I, yeah, I, I completely concur. And I love the fact that, um, I mean, I, I think the fact that we're seeing that is, is a function of the fact that, um, that Sonny's doing the coloring because, yes. I mean, let's face it, Wendy's a a genius and she can do magic, but the original quest came out once every four months, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's just no way that she could be producing that much work in a bi-monthly schedule, right? And so the fact that Sunny is taking over the coloring job geniusly. And doing a fantastic job. I think frees Wendy up to, to really focus on getting solid rendering and, and inking going on and, and page layouts and everything. And I think we're seeing the fruit of that. And it's, it's really awesome. I mean, so far I, I also am totally loving the art and, um, and I'm really excited to see what's in store for us in the future. And just a shout out to Richard too. Obviously he is a huge part of this story and uh, just, um, you know, along with Wendy, they're the creators of this this magical universe that we get to step into every two months now. Absolutely, yes, um, and um, I can't thank them enough for it. I totally agree, and I think you're totally on on the mark there to give a shout out to Richard because it's easy for his contribution to go unsung. But um, but yeah, I mean Richard obviously is as integral to Wendy as making this all happen. So so Richard, we love you. <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> we do. All right, so I think we should we should call it quits at this point, and um, you know let folks kind of stew on on what we've talked about, and um, and then we will be back, if not before, we'll definitely be back when issue number three comes out in May. But hopefully, we'll be able to find the time to get together again and do um, 
an issue or an episode for the Final Quest special as well as for issue number one. Yeah, I think we can find some time in between um, before the next issue comes out. Um, I'd I'd like to do that, go into depth uh, with the special and issue number one because there's so much that happened in those issues. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we really should uh, take a look at them. Uh, well, I'm in if you're in, so I'm in. I'm there. Okay, so to close things out, um, I just want to remind folks that you can participate in lots of great discussion on the official ElfQuest forums at ElfQuest.com. The whole website has been really revamped, including the forums. So if you have checked them out at any point in the last you know, several years, you definitely want to come revisit and refresh yourself and join, join the fun there. There's also a great big presence for ElfQuest on Facebook. There's the official ElfQuest page that Wendy and Richard run, and then there's also the Facebook fan page, um, the main one. I'm actually the moderator there. And there's a bunch of other pages, too. There's ElfQuest Collectors Unite and um, yeah. some smaller groups that are um, having some there's really great time. conversations. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody come on out and join us there as well. There's ElfQuest on Twitter. Um, it's at ElfQuest. And you can also do hashtag ElfQuest. And there's been – I've been seeing a big uptick in the activity on Twitter, which is really nice to see. Really? That's yeah, great. absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And we'd um, love to uh, hear your feedback about this podcast too um, on the Facebook page or wherever exactly. you want to post. Yep. We'd love yeah. to hear even comments, questions, whatever you feel like uh, contributing. Yep. Our plan, to discussion. Put, our plan is to put this out in all of those places. So no matter how you found this podcast, um, hopefully you'll comment on it on you know Twitter, Facebook, on the ElfQuest forums, or just wherever. Um, we want to make to be this... everywhere. Yes, we want to make this something that um, you know listeners and fans of ElfQuest want to listen to and, and hopefully contribute to. Like I said at the beginning, we probably will be looking at taking questions at some point so that, that we fun. can address specific things. Um, so definitely you also want to check out Dark Horse Comics, of course. They're the publisher of The Final Quest. So go to darkhorse.com. And in particular, I strongly encourage everybody to create a digital Dark Horse account, even if you are a physical book lover like me, I strongly, strongly recommend that you at least check out the um, the digital version of the Final Quest, if for no other reason that you can get it instantaneously. You don't have to wait till the you can get to the comic book store or wait for it to be mailed to you. Um, this applies to anybody in the world. So for uh, European fans who um, have the raw deal of having to wait and pay for shipping, um, you can get it instantaneously. You can still get it in hard copy later. But at least you can get it instantaneously. You don't have to worry about spoilers. And I personally love reading it digitally. You can really zoom in on the panels. You can read it panel by panel. So you know the short issue can really be extended in a you know in a in a way that just reading it full page by full page with a hard copy doesn't give. So that's my I love plug it for, for on my iPad. Yeah, my iPad is I, how I read it too. I, I love, love it. it. My my um, plan is to get all the issues on my iPad and then get the hard copy collections when they come out. Yeah, there you go. I, I love that course, I have the choice. Yeah, I, of course, am buying it um, on my iPad and I'm buying it in my comic shop. And I have also ordered a copy from Tifa, which is the mail order. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> can't have too much health quest. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. All right. So on that note, I think um, we'll call this show quits and hopefully we will hear um, from you guys once we put it out there and um, we'll see you for the next episode. Great. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Just a couple of show notes. We apologize for any of the audio issues you might have heard during the course of this podcast. 
It's our first one, we're still working out some of the kinks, so hopefully by the next one we'll have them all sorted out. The music that you heard at the top of the podcast was a track called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. And you can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists royalty-free for your podcast or any other multimedia projects on jamendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. As always, you can join the discussion on the official forums on ElfQuest.com, on Twitter at, at ElfQuest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at ElfQuest.com, along with tons of other great stuff like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The Final Quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water.